just want to say a, a warm welcome. I feel like we've doubled in size since the last time I was up here at the start of the service. It's good to see everybody. Uh, it's good to see y'all. It was hard when the, the kids are in here. You know, it's like we're, we're really getting packed out, especially with the one service. But that's a good thing. It's a good problem to have. So hopefully you've all found your way in and found a, a comfortable seat. Um, it is good to, to be with you again and, and to be uh, here today. How many of you really just enjoyed that musical presentation today? Amen. Yeah. Um, again, the kids uh, did a great job. Our volunteers did an, like, an amazing job. I was actually kind of disappointed because I feel like the volunteers almost did too, too well of a job just because we didn't really have a significant like child moment, you know, where like the tree goes down or something, you know, like happened. Um, you know, every children's play, but it just shows you the quality of volunteers that we have working with our children. And I do just want to say as well to you, if, if you perfectly consider possibly jumping in with our volunteers uh, with the kids ministry as well. Uh, we are uh, in need of more volunteers. And uh, again, it's what a, I don't know of a better place to pour into than, than our children's ministry and the, and the children of this church and future generations. So um, if you'd prayerfully consider that, I know Cindy would love to, to meet with you and, and get you plugged in. And don't worry, we won't throw you into the deep end of the pool or anything. And here, just lock you in the room and we'll see you in, in 30 minutes and hopefully you're still there. But um, we'll definitely get you worked up and, and get you with somebody that can help you out. So if you would consider that, that would be awesome. Uh, if you have your Bibles, I'd ask you to turn to Isaiah chapter 9, and I'm going to uh, share a, a brief message today, and we're going to continue our series uh, called He Shall Be Called. And again, we've been discussing these, these, these names given uh, to Jesus uh, in Isaiah as, as the part of the prophecy, and we've covered over the past two weeks uh, Wonderful Counselor and Mighty God, Pastor Tony preached on last week. And so today we come to this, this third name, this, this third um, really part of the character of who Jesus is, and, and that is Everlasting Father. And so uh, how many of you remember, most of you I think have been around long enough, and I've seen it recently a little bit too, but you remember the first commercial from the Energizer batteries, you know, and you're watching and all of a sudden the little bunny comes out with a, you know, and it's like, and going, and going, and going, and you just see this bunny going everywhere, right? Just forever going on and on and on. And um, the Energizer batteries do run out, by the way, if you didn't catch that. I think it's false advertising a little bit, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's this, this idea, though, that it would just, it was a continuation and just would never stop. And, you know, when you think of this term in front of this, this name here of what everlasting is, it's really, if you let yourself kind of go there, it's, it's, you can't really comprehend it fully, can you? I mean, you think about, okay, I can think of going on this long or that long. But to be everlasting is, is, is really beyond, beyond what we can comprehend as human beings. And I want to encourage those of you here today, there are some in this room who can just roll with the tension of not having it all figured out. But some of you, some of you, have to have every single detail right, and you have to have the T's, and I see this going on, you know, with the spouses and everything in here. Um, you know, you want to have everything exactly in order, have it all figured out, and when it doesn't work out that way, you kind of get stressed out. We don't want you to do that today. We just need you to accept that some things, especially when talking about God, we're just not going to fully be able to wrap our head around it, but we are going to take a really good look at what this means today, and so I would just ask you to stay engaged, and uh, I, I believe you will be blessed. Um, so our, our text for this whole series comes from Isaiah chapter 9. So I'm just going to read verses 6 and 7 just to kind of get us back into the gear. Um, and the, it'll be up on the screen here as well. So beginning in verse 6 of chapter 9 of Isaiah, it says, For to us a child is born, to us 
a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for today. God, I thank you for uh, just this season of celebration of, of who you are and the gift of your son, Jesus Christ. God, we thank you, Lord, for, uh, again, just the wonderful performance we saw today. I ask you just to bless the kids and the volunteers, everyone downstairs, Lord God, as they just celebrate. And, and God, we just thank you for this time when we can also celebrate, Lord, and truly, again, focus in on this idea of what it is to be an everlasting father. And so, God, I pray that you would uh, open our hearts to receive, Lord, what you have. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, <clears throat> one of the, the, the things that, you know, when we read Scripture... And again, I say this often, I'll continue to say it often, just because, you know, this passage is probably, uh, you've all heard this at some point, I would say. Uh, it's a very familiar passage. We hear it all the time, every Christmas play, every season, you know, when we come into Christmas, we hear this passage. And again, we can read through things and you just like, I got this, I've read it a hundred times. But I'll tell you what, and I'm, I'm interested, you don't need to show your hands with what I'm about to say, but there's one key thing in this passage that really jumps out to me that I, I do want us to kind of just touch on before we really deep dive into Everlasting Father. And I didn't know it was there for a long time, and I had heard this for, for many, many years. And um, what that is, is, is if you notice... When at the beginning of verse 6, and it says, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be on his shoulder. And, and notice the next phrase, and it says, and his what? Name, right? Is there, a, is there an S on the end of that? There's no, there's no S, right? So his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. These are not separate, you know, descriptions of, of, of who Jesus is. That means... Again, and here comes the mind stretching and trying to kind of grasp, but Jesus is all-encompassing of these, these, these names, these characteristics at all times. It's not like, you know, he's this and he's that. And it's, you know, it's like, okay, so it's not, there's not an S there. What's, it's, it's very significant, though, if you start to think about it, that his name is this. It's just like when we say, you know, you know God is love. It's not that God possesses love but that God actually is love, that we cannot love truly in the truest sense of what love is outside of God. God is love. He doesn't possess love, he is love. And so with this idea of his name shall be called, the, all these things, it's all, all woven into who Jesus Christ is. And so it, again, it is very significant. And so I say that just to, to challenge you and to encourage you that when you approach Scripture, always do so as best as you can. It's not always easy. Do so with fresh eyes. Ask the Lord, ask the Holy Spirit, say, Lord, show me your word today. Show me, because God's word is living. How many know that? God's, it's active, it's alive. That's what the Bible says. And what that means is that it's not just a textbook that you read. There are atheists out there that can quote this book nearly cover to cover, but still haven't seen the life that the Word of God is and brings. And so again, that means it works at a level much deeper than this surface level of just understanding. And so I, I just want to encourage you, whenever you approach Scripture, do so wide-eyed 
and just expectant that God is going to reveal something to you that may, you may have never seen before. And so, again, so we see this here with this, this, this term of name rather than names. So now let's get into today's, the meat of today, which is everlasting father. Now, this term everlasting, again, as, as we try to just wrap our minds around what that means, um, the emphasis here. Uh, is, is, is everlasting, is that it is um, looking forward, all right? And I want you to think about that throughout the time today. Throughout our time, I want you to think about that as looking forward. And, and we're going to unpack that just a little bit more. Everlasting, it shows up in translations like the ESV, the NIV, the King James Version. And this is probably the best translation of that, that term. It's a, it, the original Hebrew is everlasting. And I say that because there are some other translations that use the word eternal, okay? Eternal. Now, if you're like me, you probably look at that and you're like, well, isn't that kind of the same, I mean, everlasting, eternal, isn't that sort of, and, and it is, and I'm not saying that those translations are wrong, but let me again kind of shed a little bit more light on that. Um, but it, the word eternal really would lean more towards a without end as well as without a beginning, okay? Now, to be clear, I'm not saying that Jesus, he is God. He is God, and of course, he doesn't have a beginning, but in this sense that we're looking at today, the emphasis we're placing is not on just the eternal that he always has been, but it's, it's about what has happened and, and this, this name given to him as everlasting father. And so as we do that, it's, it's, we need to do so with recognizing that there was a marking that happened, a, a significant event when Jesus entered the world, okay? There was something that happened that hadn't happened any time before. Is that clear? that there was something significant that took place when Jesus entered into the world, that, again, he had never done this before. Only once did the God of the universe choose to enter into humanity as a helpless baby. And think about that for a minute again. Pause on that for a minute, that God, the God of the universe, the God that created everything, that is God over all, humbled himself and entered in to humanity as this humble little child. And we see that happen one time throughout scripture, throughout human history. And so again, that idea is what we're trying to, to dial into. And so we are looking then forward from this moment when Jesus entered into humanity. And that's why we, we go with the term everlasting, meaning from that point forward, something had changed. God didn't change. God is the same. But something significant had taken place. Okay? You're kind of getting at what I'm, what I'm saying? So, so, again, so we want to stick with this term everlasting. I think it best kind of gathers what we're trying to look at. And so, again, we see this moment. Jesus enters into humanity and is, is everlasting father. Everlasting is the key word. And so now that we kind of have this flavor of what everlasting is, now let's move in to this term, Father. Now, this church and most of uh, evangelical churches, most Christians are, 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 are believe in what's called the Trinity, okay? The Trinity. We use this word. We hear this word all the time. Uh, let me give you just kind of a, a summary or a definition, if you will, for us to work from of this word Trinity because I think it's important. Um, it says, God is one divine nature that is revealed as three Distinct persons existing in unity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Okay? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, 
Funny story, when my oldest two children, my, my boys, Isaac and Noah, they were young, and we were in Kuwait at the time, and they had gone to um, a VBS. And we were driving home, I'm driving, you know, and traffic over there is really bad. You know, and the kids are great for this, right? They just throw out these, like, whoppers. You're, like, driving, they're like, Dad, you know, what is, what is the Trinity? <laughs> well, why didn't you come up with a hard question, right? I mean, you know, so I'm sitting there, and, you know, I'm... You know, I think I might have been in Bible school at the time online, like doing stuff, you know, and I'm like, okay, I think I, I got this. I got this. And so maybe you've heard this before. So I pulled out the illustration of the egg, right? Anybody use that one to, to, to help kind of explain it? So I, I, I pull out this illustration. So we're driving. They're in the back. And so I'm like, you know, the Trinity is kind of like, it's like an egg. Um, you know, an egg is on the outside. You have a, a shell, on the inside, you have, you know, the, the white part of the egg, and, and then you have the yellow part, which is the yolk. And you would say, you know, the whole thing is, is an egg, right? Um, and it's together, and, and it's, it's all one, and it sort of works together and makes a great omelet, right? Um, and so I just, you know, I lay out this whole thing, and they're kind of like, yeah, okay, uh-huh, and they're, they're in the back. And then, and so, so I'm like, so that's sort of, how the Trinity is, you know, and again, bear with me, I'm dealing with kids here, you know, before you start judging me, Um, and so, you know, I'm like, I got this, and and, and so, you know, that's how the, you know, God the Father, God the Son, the Holy Spirit, they're like that egg, they're all in one, you know, together, yet, you know, different, but but together, and and so I get the end of my, you know, 15-minute dissertation on the Trinity, and, you know, I say, so, you know, any questions? And, you know, I'm like, there's not going to be any questions. I think I couldn't have done better. And they're like, so, so what does an egg have to do with Jesus? You know, and I'm like, were you not listening? You know, I mean, I, all short of having a whiteboard, I mean, I thought I explained it pretty well. Um, so I don't know if that helps you at all today with the whole Trinity thing. But, you know, I thought I had done well, and maybe it does. But but the Trinity, you know, it's, it's basically, this, this is what we believe as, as Christians. And uh, again, we see this um, through divine self-disclosure. We see in Jesus, all right, who as the Son, he revealed the Father and he poured out the Holy Spirit while he walked this earth. All right, we see the, this idea of, of the Trinity, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so the reason I kind of lay some of that groundwork and why we're touching on that is because we have this term here being applied to Jesus as Father. And if you're thinking what I, would, what I thought initially, too, is that we're wondering how Jesus, the Son, is being referred to as Father, right? It's a little confusing. At least it was to me. And so, again, we need to kind of let's unpack that a little bit. You know, some have objected to this name Father as it seems it confuses the role of the Trinity to call Jesus, who is the Son, to call him Father, right? And so there has to be a reason here. There has to be. And, and so as we look a little deeper into this at the Scripture, we, have to, we can see, and, and we'll unpack more here in a moment, but we can see that this, this is not speaking into the Trinities, per se, all right? the, the Trinitarian view, uh, when, when Jesus is given this name, Everlasting Father. And so we have to understand to not take it in, in, in that kind of a way. And there's another side to this that um, we want to touch briefly, too, because some people, and I would say within the vein of Christianity, uh, there, there's a, a group or a movement which is called the Oneness Movement. And they tend to take, uh, they, they use this verse as proof text 
for their beliefs of, well, it's, it's all the same. It's all, you know, that when Jesus came as a son, he, that's, that's God, which is true. But they think, like, when you get to heaven, there's going to be, like, one, there's just one person kind of in these different roles, all right? And we don't see it that way as, as being, uh, you know, Trinitarians. Again, we see the three distinctions, but they all are together as, as one. And so other, this, this oneness movement will try to use this. And again, it's simply, it's just, it's not right. Um, I have somebody pretty close to me that, that's in this, this movement, and, and they, what they have to do to stretch the, the scripture to meet, because <laughs> all throughout the scripture, you see the Trinity there, we're at work, um, but, but it's, again, it's, it's not, and say Jesus' baptism, for example. Very familiar, probably most of us know it. Jesus is baptized, right? Jesus is in the water. When he comes up out of the water, what happens? It says that the Holy Spirit descends as a dove, right? Not a dove, but as a dove. The Holy Spirit is there, and God the Father speaks from heaven and says what? This is my Son, in whom I am well pleased, okay? So one of the simplest snapshots of what the Trinity kind of working and present, you saw, you know, Jesus in the water, God the Father speaking from heaven and the Holy Spirit descending. And so, again, we, we can agree that, you know, the, this, the way the Trinity is, and, and so as we approach this, that, G, that God the Father is different than God the Son. But, so for us as Trinitarians, you know, let's look at how this needs to be applied for us. This term father, or the term father in general, okay, uh, it's used oftentimes in reference uh, to those who create or begin something. You think about, if I were to say, who was the father of Apple? Steve Jobs, right? Now, maybe there's a debate about that. I don't know if some, some folks that maybe want to deep dive into who did what and uh, how he did that. What about... Uh, Mac and, or not Macintosh, um, what's the other one? Microsoft, yeah. Anybody heard of Bill Gates? A few people? Yeah. Uh, if not, he's sort of you, and yeah, he's pretty, pretty big. But um, he probably has all your information and more than you'd like to share. Um, but yeah, and so we, we use this term father, don't we, of, of kind of people that pioneer something, of that begin something. Here's maybe something a little, a little closer that more of you maybe identify with. How about uh, the founding of this, this country, the United States, right? We refer to those people a lot of times as our forefathers, right? The forefathers of the United States. And it's time for us a little history lesson. Let's get this one. How about this? Anybody heard of this? Four scores. And seven years ago, our brought forth on this continent... A new nation conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. Okay. So again, that was Abraham Lincoln, by the way, a little thing called the Gettysburg Address. Yeah? Okay, you all knew that, didn't you? You could have quoted it, the rest of it. <laughs> um, so we see here, though, that, that this term father is used oftentimes, again, for this beginning, for this starting, for this creating something, for, for moving from, where, from something forward. And so, again, when we look here now, going back to this everlasting father that we're, we see given to Jesus, uh, at a closer look in the original Hebrew, we see that the way that this phrase everlasting father is constructed, it's constructed um, with this term father as the primary noun, okay? So it's not just father, but it's, 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 it's put this word in front of it. It says everlasting, which we've already discussed. Again, from this point, looking forward. 
And that's key and that's critical, I believe, as we, as we look at this. And so, again, everlasting is used to describe fatherhood. So when we put it all together, all right, here we go. All right, the everlasting, looking forward from this point, father. So this Messiah who has come and will be forevermore, he will be our everlasting father from this point forward. And his fatherhood, and this is an encouragement to all of us today, is his fatherhood will be without end, all right? That Jesus has come and there's something that's being created from this point going forward, and it will never end. And so regardless of the approach, whether it's oneness or Trinitarian, and, and it, people oftentimes, they will take this term, and if they don't fully understand it, it's because they're looking from the New Testament and they're kind of looking back versus looking ahead. You see, again, remember, Isaiah is in the Old Testament, right? This is, this is being prophesied. This is before Jesus had walked the earth. This is all of what is to come. And so to understand it from that light, we can't, we can't look at it from the New Testament back until it actually took place. And so here, again, Jesus now comes in, and he truly is our everlasting Father. From that point, something had happened and something took place when Jesus entered the world. This, this term, this, this name, Everlasting Father, it also places um, this promised child outside of the regular created order, didn't it? He was born of a virgin, right? I mean, it didn't, he didn't drop in and, you know, that he was conceived between a, a man and a woman. There was something supernatural that took place. And John 1, 1 through 3, we read that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And again, speaking of Jesus here, and, and this is, he's called the Word, and in verse 3 it says this, All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. And so again, you see throughout all time, you see Jesus as this the one where things are being created through. In Colossians, we also see in, in chapter 1, verses 16 and 17, it says, For by him all things were created in heaven and earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So everything begins, you know, from Jesus. And again, the, the, the role of Jesus as coming into earth, coming as a baby, you know, it began what was not possible before. It was a new chapter for mankind. It was a new uh, a thing that had begun now that we all get to benefit from, don't we? You see, before Jesus came to earth, the only way that people could approach God was through the law and through a system really that, that man had to try to, you know, would always fall short. Do we still fall short today? Let me help some of you out. The answer is yes. <laughs> we do, don't we? We still fall short. But because of Jesus and what he did when he came to earth to, to, to be raised up and, and to grow into a man and to eventually go to the cross to die for your sins and my sins is to create a way that we can now have a relationship forevermore with our, our Father, God, the Father in heaven, right? 
we can have relationship. And man, I pray that you do have relationship and that I, I have relationship all the time. Because I think some of us forget that at times, don't we? I think we can get so overwhelmed with what's going on around us. We forget that we are in relationship with the creator of the universe. And that we have a personal relationship. Why? Because of Jesus. And so Jesus, again, in that sense, you know, when we, when we read the 23rd Psalm, when we talk about that Jesus is our shepherd, right? He's a shepherd who never will leave us or forsake us. He will guide us and lead us. Again, in this role, he's, he is, you know, he is, he's become a father to us in our, in our time and in our walk with the Lord. Now, as we prepare to, I'm just going to kind of wind things down here. I just, I want to touch on just a few things more. Unfortunately, in the day and age that we live in, in the world that we live in, this name Father can bring up many different emotions for different people. Many different emotions for many different people. The name Father doesn't always bring with it happiness and joy, does it? We all come from backgrounds and many, I mean, statistics show that more and more people grow up and unfortunately either a father was absent, either a father was present but abusive and took things that didn't, he should never have took and did things that a father should never do. And it can, be, it can be so damaging that now we are, we are to approach God, our Father in heaven, and here now we even see Jesus as, as a, a, in a sense, our Father, our everlasting Father. He is our everlasting Father. And we hear these terms, and so what does that do for us? And it's something that I believe the enemy, you know, is that's why there is such an attack on a family, on, on the family, the nuclear family. I read a statistic from everything I could tell. It's, it's true that only 18% of homes today are homes with a man and woman that are married to one another. 18%. And, you know, like, I don't, don't want to, this is all online. Hi, everybody. I want to be careful. Once you say it, it's out there, right? You can never get it back. But, um, you know, again, in a sense, let's say even optimally, there's a really great guy and a really great woman, and they're together. They're not married, and they have children. And, again, God's best is that to be married, to be husband and wife. But the problem is this, is it makes walking and leaving very, very easy. Because there's just not that, there's not a commitment. And even, I'll say this. <laughs> We've come so far the other way that, you know, even with marriage, there's such a lack of commitment even in that. That's not a guarantee anymore, is it? Because marriage doesn't hold the same weight that it once did. And I say that not to condemn anyone or not to, to come down on anyone, but it's just this thought of, of we are raising generation after generation in an environment where there's this negative kind of connotation that comes with this term father. You know, I mean, none of us, none of us are perfect. No man is perfect. But at the same time, for those of you who maybe had a wonderful father, who had a great dad, 
And this has just been my experience. I'm not saying this is the letter of the law or whatever else, but my experience is when I speak to somebody whose father was present and who was loving and who just disturbed his family, you know, every night his head would hit the pillow, he was wiped out because he just sacrificed so much for his family. Oftentimes those children have a wonderful, wonderful relationship with the Lord. Now, again, I'm not saying that that's a formula that, well, if the children wander, then the dad's not good. I mean, at the, some point, a child has to make that decision for themselves. But what I'm just saying is, is, is just think about when the enemy comes in, begins to, to just mess everything around, and we begin to be like, well, who needs, who needs a dad anyway? Maybe some of you here are, are, are moms or single moms, or you know, maybe you've, you've raised your kids without a, a man present, and again, I, I get it, and kudos, and there's, there's women that do it well, and they do everything for their children. But I guarantee you, most of those women, not I meant most, I think all of those women, if you ask them and you got an honest answer, would love nothing more than to have had a helpmate, to have a father present in those children's lives. And so all of that, I just, I just want to bring to, to the forefront today as, as we, we, we speak of Jesus as our everlasting father. that Jesus wants nothing more than you to, to experience what it is to have a father that loves you unconditionally, to have a father that will not walk out on you, that will not uh, leave you abandoned, but a father who will stay with you, who will walk with you, who will lead you, who will guide you, and who will see you through. That's, that's what we wanna get to today. And that's my prayer for each and every one of us today is to truly experience Jesus as our everlasting father. Because the character that Jesus bears, is we see that he is committed, <laughs> right? You look no further than the cross that sits behind me to see how committed Jesus is to you and to me. The manner in which he cares for his children with father-like compassion and tenderness is unmatchable and for all eternity he will deal with us as his children as a loving father should amen would you bow your heads father god i i thank you lord for today i thank you for this time that we've had lord to just to pause and and to hear lord just this 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 good news lord for the cross could never have happened what we saw on the cross without first the birth of Jesus, the Son of God in a manger as a baby. God, I just thank you for this thought that Jesus is our, our everlasting Father. He was the first, Lord. And because of him, Lord, we can follow him into eternity. We can follow him into the things that, that await us, Lord God, on the other side of this life here on earth. God, I thank you. I thank you, Lord, for each and every person, Lord, here in this place. I thank you for those that are watching online, that they are present here today, not by chance, but for a reason and a purpose. And God, I particularly pray for, Lord, those right now who, who have uh, just difficulty, Lord, with this term, Father. 
a term that should bring uh, wonderful thoughts and feelings and emotions, Lord. For some, Lord, that is not the case. And so, God, I pray as, as only you can, Lord, that you would uh, enter into their lives, that you would meet them in that place of brokenness, of pain, of hurt. And Lord God, as they bring those things to you, God, I just see this picture of you just taking your arms and wrapping them around these people and saying, I, let me take that from you. Let me take that pain. Let me take that hurt. And God, you replace that, Lord, with your love your joy, with your goodness. God, we thank you that everything, everything, every person, everything is redeemable with Jesus. And God, that you would redeem your people. You would redeem, Lord, those, those places of pain. And God, we just thank you that you have not abandoned us, but that you love us so deeply, Lord, that you did send your son God, we thank you that you are a good God, that you are a good Father. And that Jesus, Lord, as the beginning, as, as the start, Lord, as he came to earth being the first, Lord, points us to our one and only Heavenly Father, God the Father, to have relationship as never before. God, I ask you, Lord, during this season that you would continue, Lord, to draw us closer to you, that we would take time, Lord God, to enter into, uh, Lord, your word and Again, this, this beautiful Christmas story, Father, of how this little baby boy entered the world and changed it for all time.